The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'll be your host today. Today's episode is episode number 107. And today I wanted to focus on some legal drugs that we have that are being used more and more, specifically drugs that are prescribed by psychiatrists, or what I will colloquially refer to as psych drugs. I recently watched a documentary called Letters from Generation RX, and it was made by a filmmaker named Kevin P. Miller. Now, I'm hoping I can actually get him to be on the podcast because I think it would make a great interview. But this particular movie, if you want to really get the picture of what some of these psych meds do to people, you should watch this film. When I Googled it, I found that you can watch it for like $3.99 on various online services. But it's a horrific portrait of the devastating effects of these drugs on individuals in our society. And I would say if you are addicted to these drugs, you might want to watch this film and consider contacting a medical detox so that you can come off of them. And if you are considering taking these drugs, you definitely should watch it. If you are considering recommending that anyone that you know take these psychiatric medications, I really urge you to watch this film. It will give you second thoughts about it. So I thought that since I have my attention on these psych drugs, if you will, that it would be good to bring Diane Stein back into the studio. Diane is the president of the Citizens Commission on Human Rights in Florida. The Citizens Commission on Human Rights, or as we call it, CCHR, is a psychiatric watchdog organization that uh, pushes legislation and pushes reform in the area of mental health and specifically psychiatric misconduct and abuses. CCHR has long fought to restore basic inalienable human rights to the field of mental health, including, but not limited to, full informed consent regarding the medical legitimacy of psychiatric diagnosis, the risk of psychiatric treatment, and the right to all available medical alternatives, and the right to refuse any treatment considered harmful. So welcome today to the podcast, Ms. Diane Stein. Well, Diane, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you are super busy. You're welcome. You know what, Jenny, it's like what you guys are doing on this show is so incredibly important. I'll always make time for you guys. Well, I really appreciate that. I periodically get a hair up my nether regions on the subject of psychiatric drugs especially when I just happened to catch a movie with Heath Ledger. And he is just one of many of our artists, um, well-known and not so well-known, who have unfortunately succumbed to some of the really negative side effects of psych drugs. So therein lies the reason for this interview. (laughs) (laughs) 
totally understand. It's always a heartbreak uh, when somebody, especially, you know, somebody who is, you know, so talented, you know, as some of these artists have been, um, their lives are cut short um, needlessly. You know, it didn't need to happen. Nope, exactly. And then the other reason I wanted to talk to you is because I happened to catch the documentary Letters from Generation Rx. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, it comes up on my phone because I have an app on my phone and it, it came up and I kind of just randomly started watching it. Well, then I could not stop watching it. And for the listeners, just so you know, the film Letters from Generation Rx was produced and I believe directed by a man named Kevin P. Miller. And it is all about the devastating effects of psychiatric drugs on our society. And mm-hmm. and then interestingly enough, when I mentioned it to you, you said you sat next to him at a dinner and he won an award. And Anyway, that was another reason for this interview, and I should stop talking now because I would like to hear more from you on what you're seeing in this arena. Well, it's it's really interesting, and uh, you know, Kevin Miller's uh, documentary is um, a great example of people beginning to speak out on this subject. You know, his documentary really delves into antidepressants and their effects on the brain, and uh, really. Um, unbelievably horrible experiences that um, the individuals prescribed the drugs uh, suffered and as well as their families. Um, But what people don't necessarily understand is that it's becoming um, known um, or promoted anyways, finally, that uh, psychiatric drugs can be quite addictive. Um, And that was something that really wasn't ever I don't think taken into account by anyone in the industry, uh, given the authority to prescribe these drugs, that antidepressants and uh, a lot of psychotropic drugs that are prescribed, um, not only do they have horrific side effects, um, but when an individual tries to get off of them, you know, you're, you're looking at a withdrawal situation that uh, even some medical doctors won't attempt to help a patient with. Um, it's very difficult for people to find someone who will actually get them off the drugs because it's so bad. You know, it's interesting, Diane, because I know that. I know that, you know, obviously my co-host is Jason from Narconon, and I know that, you know, Narconon oftentimes has to refer people who are on psychiatric medications to a, a medical detox such as Novus that's in the area to get, you know, to step down because you can't just cold turkey them. But here's the thing, Diane, and this is interesting that you say this. Did I do the connection to, oh, that means they're addictive? Uh Uh-uh, I didn't do that. But that's what that Mm -hmm. means. When you can't stop taking something because you could die, guess what? That's an addictive drug. Yeah, exactly. And most people aren't thinking of that. It's it's this kind of... um, blind blindness to the fact well, it was prescribed by a doctor so it's fine or it's prescribed by a psychiatrist so it's fine or whatever right what right. have you but it's still a drug and a drug is a drug is a drug right and um these are mind-altering substances um in fact the new yorker came out gosh i think it was last month maybe with uh an unbelievably uh, in-depth article an interview with um, a uh, person, basically it was her family telling the story of this 
of this, you know, um, actually, you know, well off, you know, you know, good family girl who ended up into, you know, getting into the psychiatric drug world and uh, eventually was on just, you know, a unbelievably uh, lengthy list of drugs and what she went through to basically find herself, get off the drugs and find herself. And uh, it's an unbelievable article. Wow. Last month in the New Yorker. I got to check that one out. It's amazing. Yeah, it was yeah, it was it was actually it was very eye opening for a lot of people that um I spoke with on this subject because I, I talk with a lot of policymakers. Um because you know, you know, there's a lot of attention on just addiction in general. You know, the opioid crisis of course is at the forefront of everyone's mind, right? right? Right. And you know, what's being done and things like that. But um what people don't realize is that in uh just the past I think of the the most recent data is from 2013 on this, but uh, psychiatric medications actually kill more Americans than heroin. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> and they're not thinking with this, right? I mean, here in Florida, you can look at um, the information available on causes of death um, with, you know, um, like in Florida, the medical examiner's office will do, uh, autopsies in specific circumstances uh, when somebody dies, right? Right. Um, not everybody who dies has an autopsy, but there are certain situations where it's mandatory. And these are forensic autopsies, meaning they, they do like a full investigation. What caused this person's death, right? right? And um, the biggest thing you find is that prescription drugs, including psychiatric drugs, continue to be found more often than illicit drugs as the cause of death and present at death. Wow. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I mean, exactly. And of course, we've talked about this before, I think, if not, I'll talk about it now. I know, I know you and I personally have talked about this. And that is the fact that when these shootings occur in public places, the people doing the shootings are on either antidepressants or antipsychotics or anti anxiety medication. Hello. Uh, yeah, um, our organization did um, research. Uh, we're talking, you know, it's like two decades worth of research and published a report um, right after um, the shooting in Florida, in Parkland, Florida. Um, right. That shooting right there. We published this report and it's on that particular topic and it's unbelievable. Um, the correlation between psychiatric drug side effects and violence and suicide is... Um, Frankly, it, it's like how people aren't putting this two and two together is is, is kind of um, odd, honestly, because you have an unbelievable. Like, there's like 409 different warnings on these on these particular psychiatric drugs, and um, then you have uh, suicide, homicide, homicidal ideation, suicidal ideation, violence, aggression, hostility. All of these are uh, known, you know, through clinical studies and trials as being uh, side effects um, of these drugs. Right. And um, a lot of people are like, well, yeah, but, you know, that's rare or it's like whatever. But when you look at what a rare occurrence is, meaning, you know, because you know, like most people have a headache or nausea, right? But rarely somebody is going to actually become homicidal. Right. Well, the World Health Organization defines a rare occurrence and they define it as one in 1,000 people will experience it to one in 10,000 people will experience it. Now, that's a pretty broad 
thing. You know, right. it's a pretty broad measure, right? right. It's, as, it's as narrow as they'll make it. Um, but if you just look at kids, you have 7.2 million kids in this country on the drugs that have these rare occurrences. So you either have 720 kids who are going to become homicidal or suicidal, or you have 7,200 kids. Right. Um, pick your poison on that one. You yeah, exactly. I mean? Exactly. And here's the thing, listeners. When you take these drugs, you are playing Russian roulette with your brain chemistry. Now, if that sounds like something you really want to do, go for it. But you're playing Russian roulette. And that's what that film really brought home to me. Because, mm -hmm. because these drugs, which are supposed to alter the chemical in the brain in a good way, have the side effect of altering the chemicals in the brain in a bad way. So, well, I mean, they're I mean, mind altering. They're mind altering, Definitely exactly. They're mind altering drugs. But anti psychotropic. Anti anxiety me medicines can cause anxiety, anti psychotics can cause psychosis, and antidepressants can cause suicidal tendencies, which is, you know, heavy duty, uh, heavy duty depression. So, do you want to take that chance of being that one in a thousand or one in 10,000? Do you want to have your child take that chance? I mean, yeah. I don't... I mean, these are questions that people need to ask um, the person who's prescribing or recommending these drugs, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's like expressing informed consent is a right that we have. Um, it's not always uh, executed in the manner that it legally should be, meaning... The, the person doing the expressive informed consent, they'll be like, okay, so some of the common side effects might be nausea, headache, you know, inability to fall asleep, you know, loss of appetite. You know, they'll just give you some of these, uh, you know, more common side effects. But they're supposed to actually give you the entire, this is really what could happen. But the public at large is, because they're not getting this data from healthcare practitioners, they really need to themselves look into what's being recommended them to take, you know, the drug, what is this drug, why am I being told to take this, and take that responsibility on themselves. That's right. They could also ask the question, what was the exact physical test that you did that led you to believe that I have this disease and need to take this drug? Huh. Ask well, that the answer to that question is always going to be no, none. There is none, there exactly. None. There's no physical test. <laughs> it's all, it's, uh, you know, uh, and, I, and I talk to a lot of uh, mental health practitioners, psychiatrists, psychologists, licensed mental health workers, social workers, et cetera, um, and, and they, there just really is no, there's no test. It's all subjective. It's like, you know, it's their opinion of the person in front of them, or in some cases, they have the person fill out a questionnaire, and then it's the person's opinion about themselves, but it's still opinion. Right. Um, but Joni, the most dangerous thing on this is, in my opinion, um, is before the drugs are taken and prescribed, there's a real danger in uh, truly physical ailments, an actual physical problem being misdiagnosed as a mental illness. And this is this happens all too often, unfortunately. Yep. So you can have an individual who has, you know, thyroid disease or cancer or heart disease or diabetes. I mean, there's, the list is literally there's hundreds of diseases that are misdiagnosed as mental illness because of the symptoms they uh, present. And the medical doctors involved, instead of doing a thorough medical examination, are too quick 
to just move into uh, a mental illness as the, the problem, right? Yep. Which then results in individuals who are labeled as mentally ill, um, they die on average 28% younger than the rest of the population because of these undiagnosed conditions, which are perfectly treatable. Right. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, the other thing that's really unbelievable, and I know you're aware of this as well, is that more and more psychiatric drugs are being used as treatment for people who are addicted to drugs such as opioids or heroin or cocaine or methadone, meth, uh, methamphetamine. It's being used as treatment for that. Yeah, there's a whole push to pretty much redefine uh, the definition of clean and sober in the world of uh, rehab, drug rehab, um, to basically mean that the person is uh, now no longer uh, taking whatever their drug of choice was um, for their addiction problem and instead is on the newest or latest medication um, that is uh, been designated to be the replacement. So it's just, it's really, it's honestly, it's just replacing one addiction with another because the person's on this other drug for basically the rest of their life, you know, through medication assisted treatment. And uh, that redefinition of clean and sober is, is really quite, uh, quite scary. It's insidious is what it is. And we've talked about that on the podcast many times is that when we say we want you to be clean and sober, that means we don't want you to be taking methadone, suboxone, psych drugs, kratom, any of that just drug free, you know, drug and alcohol free, you know, that's really what we're looking at when we talk about um, getting somebody sober. And of course, we know that's what Narconon does. Diane, are there other organizations besides CCHR that are notably fighting this fight? I'm not aware of any. That's why I'm asking you. (laughs) I get asked this a lot. And unfortunately, not really, not from the same viewpoint. Um, the viewpoint being that um, the current state of mental health and what's being done um, in not just Florida um, or the United States, but across the world, um, it really is a human rights violation. You have um, individuals who are drugged with very dangerous drugs, um, in some cases against their will, extremely heavy dosages, um, foster kids, on, you know, in some cases, you know, uh, it's literally a cocktail of psychiatric beds, um, electric shock therapy. I mean, you just have, it's just human rights violations, right? right? And really what CCHR is looking at is there are people in crisis that need true help. Right. And what's being given to them instead is um, a, a business model based on profit, not on concern for the patient. Right. You have a pharmaceutical industry that makes a lot of money. Um, Mental health is very profitable. You have, uh, as an example, Universal Health Services, the largest provider of mental health services in the United States. Okay, they account for uh, more beds, psychiatric beds in this country than any other chain of facilities. Okay, they make eight billion dollars a year. Wow. Yeah, it's really about the bottom line. It is. Not about the patient. And there are patients that need help. 
So, you know, there are people who need help. They need real help, not a human rights abuse. Right. That's right. Today's episode of the Addiction Podcast is brought to you by Newman Interventions. Often the hardest part of getting someone clean and sober is just getting them to agree to treatment in the first place. Newman Interventions has a tried and true methodology that works 80 to 90% of the time. They have developed an online video-based course that you can do so you can get your loved one into treatment. Go to newmaninterventions.com or call 1-866-989-4499. That's 1-866-989-4499. Don't wait. Do it today. What were you doing in Tallahassee, Diane? Oh. <laughs> Changing the you subject know, radically. <laughs> I was actually in Tallahassee with a, a CCHR exhibit on the connection between uh, psychiatric drugs and violence and suicide in our communities. Okay. And um, we had a group of individuals there, not only educating uh, the lawmakers in Tallahassee on, on this fact, um, but also uh, the public at large, you know, because of course a lot of tourists and groups, et cetera, come through the Capitol to, you know, see the state Capitol and, and check out, you know, how our government works. So um, that's why we were there and uh, really pushing on, you know, let's take a good hard look at, um, you know, you know, the violence, you know, you want to know, and it's, you know, people talk about all kinds of reasons and it's this and it's that and it's the other. But the one thing that they're not looking at is the fact that the side effects of the drugs that the individuals are on committing these acts or withdrawing from, which in some cases could be even worse, the side effects. Right. Um, they're, they're not looking at that. And that is one common denominator because the, the weapon of choice in these violent uh, incidents, whether it's uh, murder or suicide, is it varies. It's never the same weapon. You right. know, it's not the same gun or the same knife or the same machete or the same car. And all of these are examples. It's like cars, you know, baseball bats, knives, machetes, a sword. Right. <laughs> right. Um, you know, it's like crazy, like a crazy list of, of different types of implements of destruction. But the the common denominator are the drugs and the side effects. And um, and speaking with lawmakers on this, of course, their their instant gut reaction is, well, then we need to do more assessments. We need to do like more suicide risk assessments to stem the tide of suicides. And so I had to have a conversation with them in Tallahassee about the fact that, you know, 40 years worth of suicide risk assessment data was analyzed by two psychiatrists. And they came up with this one fact. Suicide risk assessment doesn't work. And they actually increase the risk of suicide. And here's the article, and here's the graph in Florida, which shows where we put suicide prevention in and the fact that since then, uh, suicides in the age 10 to 24 age group has done nothing but skyrocket. Uh, wow. I know. And then what do they say when I you know. show them that? What, what's the response? They, you know what? It opened up some eyes. It really did. Because, Good. you know, it, it's, it's really hard to um, ignore when the industry that's been pushing for more assessments, more screenings, more funding, more drugs, more this, more that, then you have members of that same industry stand up and say, wait a minute, not only does this not work, but 
it may actually increase that. And then you can show graphically, well, here in Florida, it looks like it is increasing the suicide. Right. 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 Um, so it definitely opened up the door uh, for future uh, conversations that I hope will um, lead to same solutions. Good. And did did the public that you talked to, what kind of reaction did they have? Different from well, legislators. They did. It, you know, it literally the the number of stories that we heard from people, um, you know, a grandmother who was like, oh, yeah, I know these drugs are bad because I was prescribed an antidepressant. I went home. I took the antidepressant within 24 hours. I was in such a dark place. I knew that if I did not immediately throw that away, that I was going to do something bad to myself or to somebody else. Wow. Um yeah, and it was just story after story, mothers, fathers, um, people telling their own personal stories. Um, but one for one, the general public was like, you know, I, I, I knew there was something wrong with this. It's like the quick fix, you know, the easy solution, the pill or whatever. And, and all of them at the same time, they, they acknowledge and they know that there are people in real pain. Right. You know, they need help. They are desperate. Um, to stop whatever it is that's going on, whether it's a depression, anxiety, or whatever. And um, it was very real to them that the solutions um, that they're being given um, seem to be, you know, based on monetary reasons versus uh, truly uh, medical reasons, you right. know, such as, does the person have cancer? Let's find out, Right. you know? right. You know, backtracking a little bit when you were talking about un- undiagnosed or even sometimes diagnosed physical issues, I remember uh, years ago I was working at a company and I was talking to a young man who was an employee and in his teens, he was diagnosed with a heart condition. I don't remember what it was, but it was a pretty serious mm-hmm. heart condition. And so they gave him antidepressants. And it's like, Okay, yeah, if I were a teenager and I were told I had a heart condition and maybe I couldn't do athletics and this was something that was grossly detrimental to my life, I might get a little sad about it. But do I need to get treated with antidepressants? No. How about we address the heart? And see exactly. and see if there's maybe a way that it's such a no brainer, you know, you, 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 and I know you hear these things all the time, but I just remember going, oh, what a great, uh, what a, I mean, facetiously or ironically, what a great idea, you know, no, a really bad idea to do that. And in fact, they did the same thing, kind of the opposite with my mom when she was in her late 80s. I don't know what occurred, but all of a sudden one day she had a she had a bit of a heart issue, and my dad said to the doctors, being smart, said, "What did you change?" Oh, well, we gave her an antidepressant. And he said, "Well, why would you do that?" And they said, "Well, because she was sad." And he's like, "Okay, she's in her late eighties. She can have a she can have a bad day and be sad, but the in that case, the antidepressant actually caused a situation with her heart. It's like, hello." Wow. Unbelievable. I know. Well, you know, it, it's all too common that just normal life, life, just life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gets diagnosed with a label because then there could be a drug and then that drug can then make somebody some money. Exactly. I and mean, it's like life is life. You know, you have good days, you have bad days. Yep. Um, and, you know, uh, 
I was just speaking with uh, somebody who called CCHR for us help, and their mother, who's 91, was put on an anti-anxiety medicine because she's very uh, anxious because her husband, who she's been married to for, oh, goodness gracious, like over 50 years, I guess now, um, is getting ready to pass away. And so, of course, she's anxious. But the doctor's going to numb, try to (sighs) numb this, you know, normal response to losing a life partner, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's and just bogus. It's, it's really, frankly, unbelievable that not only is it being done, but that people are going into agreement with it a right. little bit, you know? It's like there really is uh, um, a, a situation here where the consumer really needs to be educated. That's one of the uh, main functions of CCHR is, is to work to enact consumer protections to actually help and guide and inform consumers on, look, this is what you're being offered. This is what you're being sold. Please pay, you know, pay, pay attention and do your own due diligence and don't just simply rely on the quote-unquote expert. Right. And, and here's the thing. You know, and we've talked about this here on the podcast many, many times because Jason has, you know, always makes the point, you know, we're a society that just wants to take a pill and make it go away. You know, there are healthy alternatives. If someone is depressed, there are support groups online, you know, and I think so often, you know, like someone like the woman with her 91 year old mother, you watch your mother get anxious, and you don't know what to do. So Mm -hmm. what I'm saying is, there are people that you can talk to, presumably, probably most of the people listening to the podcast, you are a member of uh, some sort of church. If not, you have some sort of circle of friends. And if you need guidance, talk to them. Don't just jump up and go run to the doctor to get some sort of a pill. Because like I say, you really are playing Russian roulette with your brain when you do that. I mean, you just are. And, you know, an antidepressant may affect me, you know, one way and and another person, they may go off and hang themselves. I mean, literally, that's that's what you're looking at. So, do you want to do you want to run that risk with yourself or with people yeah. that you know? And I, I I would hope that your answer is no. Thank you. Yeah. Amazing. Exactly. You know the 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 thing that people need to realize is that psychiatric drugs don't cure anything. Depression, right. They don't cure depression, anxiety, uh, panic attacks. Uh, psychosis, it does not cure anything. Um, it simply uh, is a is a drug that creates a mind-altering effect uh, to mask or cover up or, you know, in some way, um, you know, um, just alter what's happening with the person, which then comes with its own set of side effects, which is why you see a lot of individuals who go down that road, uh, they end up on a cocktail of drugs. Right. They have the antidepressant to handle this and the fact that uh, then, you know, maybe they end up in some sort of state of mania because of the antidepressant. So then they're put on something else and then they're put on something else and something else. And uh, the story of the New Yorker is a definite cautionary tale for individuals who think that that might be a solution for them um, because they can learn from what that woman went through in that article. Yep, Exactly. Well, Diane, if someone is listening to the podcast and, and, 
either is taking psychiatric medication or they have a loved one who's on psychiatric medication and they know that um, that's not a good idea, but they're not really sure what to do, what, what could they do? Um, well, the first thing they can do is do their own research. Um, individuals can call um, our organization. We have a 1-800 number, which is 800-782-2878. Um, and we have uh, individuals who man our phone lines who are able to help guide people to solutions. Um, we also have uh, information on drugs and drug side effects, which uh, we can walk somebody through the uh, online database so they can look them up for themselves and, and get educated um, but, uh, you know, the, 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 the best thing for the person to do is to ask questions. And that's why calling, uh, CCHR, um, either here in Florida or, um, in their local area, um, is, is probably a great first step in my opinion. Um, because, uh, since we deal with this day in and day out, um, every day of the year, you know, we know a lot of resources for individuals. Uh, whether it's attorneys or uh, nutritionists or medical doctors, uh, even psychiatrists, um, that a person might need um, help or assistance from. You know, that's it's really good advice, great advice. And you know, one of the th- I want to add to that in that sometimes when I am confronted with a professional, such as a doctor or um, a dentist or a lawyer, what have you, oftentimes I am somewhat intimidated. And I may look at the doctor and go, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then it isn't until I leave the doctor's office when I start thinking about what I was told and maybe begin to question what I was told. And so, you know, if you're listening and you have been to a doctor and you've been prescribed one of these medications and you're not sure if it's the right thing or not, there's uh, here's an organization that you can just pick up the phone and call and they will tell you what questions to ask. Do you know? You, exactly. They'll, they'll give you the questions that you can go back to your doctor and you can say, before I get on this medication, I want to just ask a few things from you. Because I always tell the story of my younger son when he was, I don't know, seven or something, and he had a little bit of trouble breathing sometimes. It wasn't ever labeled as asthma, but the pediatrician said, oh, put him on this drug. And something just caused me to ask, what's the side effect? And she said it can cause him to be hyperactive and cause him to have nightmares and not sleep well at night. And that was all I needed to hear. And I would never, ever, ever put my child on that drug. So when you're being offered something that sounds like the greatest thing since sliced bread, question it. It's probably not, (laughs) you know? And you you probably need to educate yourself on those side effects before you start taking yeah. it. You know, and and you you brought up a really good point, Jenny, because it can be um, it can be a little intimidating uh, when you're talking to somebody who you know has gone to medical school for you know numerous years and yep. been in practice for whoever and, or whatever their position is, whether they're a medical doctor or a psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever. You know, it can be intimidating. Yeah. Um, but as the consumer, you have every right to, to ask questions. And if you don't want to ask that person the questions because you feel intimidated, then then when you leave, then find call somebody else, call CCHR, talk to another doctor. That's right. <laughs> uh, go online. 
you know, uh, but, you know, ask those questions because, you know, you are dealing with either your health or the health of a loved one. And it is really, really a uh, great responsibility. That's right. And I forgot to add in that the following year when I took him back, that pediatrician was furious with me for not putting him on that drug. Furious (laughs) with me. And I left in tears because I thought I was doing something bad to my son. And yet I knew that I was not going to ever, ever put him on such a drug. I just wasn't going to do it. I knew enough about Ritalin and various other drugs that kids were put on. And I just said, you know, I'm not going to do that. But well, that's good for you. Yeah, good for you for standing your ground. <laughs> well, thank you. And, you know, my boys are grown up now. They're doing fine. But it's a very good point. Listen, guys, the it's free to call CCHR. And you can call pretty much any time and someone there will help you. These people are just dedicated to giving you information. They have no agenda. They're not going to sell you something. They will answer your questions and direct you to the right information. Diane, give us that 800 number again, okay? Sure, no problem. It's uh, 1-800-782-2878. Perfect. Diane, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you sharing your insight and your knowledge and your just your passion for this because you're fighting the good fight and I really appreciate it. Thank you, Joni. As always, it's an absolute pleasure working with you. Thank you for listening. Um, I think that Diane is really fighting the good fight against some of the abuses in the mental health field. And I like her perspective, and I really wanted to address that because I think that oftentimes we focus on the opioids and heroin and crystal meth, and obviously those are areas that we do need to focus on, but let us not forget the legal mind-altering drugs that are super dangerous and really don't take them unless you absolutely have to. And if you do, make sure you're taking them in a very low dose and that you are monitored. I would argue that you don't need them at all. But I know that there are those out there who would say, no, 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 it's the best thing since sliced bread. But check out that film that I mentioned, um, Letters from Generation Rx. And then you take another look at whether you want to Uh, take one of these mind-altering drugs and run the risk of being turned into a homicidal maniac or a suicidal maniac. So um, on that pleasant note, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We will have an interview next week and I will be in the studio with Jason. So we'll hear from Jason and you guys have a good week. If you know somebody who's an addict, if you yourself are an addict, don't wait, get help, get treatment. If you have a loved one, get help, get treatment, call Narconon, go to the website. You know, there's really no pressure from them and they will answer any questions that you have. If you have an issue with psychiatric drugs, you have the phone number in this podcast for CCHR, give them a call. It's free and they will help you. Have a good week and we'll talk to you again next week. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 